Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Hey, good afternoon. This is not Tom Brown. This is Jim Baugh. Tom is uh, taking the day off, so blessings, Tom. I've had the privilege of being on Koinonia before, both being interviewed by Tom as well as hosting a few times, and it's a great joy to be with you. Uh, My uh, real job is uh, with Global Training Network, and we train and equip indigenous pastors around the world, uh, now operating in over 72 countries. I have trained and equipped uh, close to 300,000 pastors over the uh, 11 and a half years of our existence. And uh, it's, it's great to be able to see what God does when you train a leader, because each leader has an influence or a circle of influence of over 100 people. So consider thinking about uh, training 300,000 pastors. That means you have the privilege of reaching 30 million people with the good news of Jesus. So uh, our website is www.globaltrainingnetwork.org. And speaking of missions, that's the passion of my heart. Today we have a very special, special program, and it's on something called the Insider Movement. Uh, Insider Movement is a methodological approach to reach Muslim men and women with the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, It's uh, also very controversial, and I've brought in a friend of mine via the telephone, Al Fadi. He's on the phone. Hello, Al. How are you? Hey, Jim. How are you? It's an honor to be with you, brother. It's an honor to be with you. Al is a teaching pastor, preacher, missionary to Muslims, also host of a Christian radio show, Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with Al-Fadi. He's also host of the TV show Beyond the Dunes. Man, I'm reading all this stuff, Al. I'm thinking, when do you have time to breathe, my brother? When do you have time to breathe? But uh, uh, Whenever the Lord gives me time. <laughs> it's... It's so great to have you on the show. I I want to uh, preface our time together by letting folks know that you are a former uh, Wahhabi Muslim from Saudi Arabia. How did you come to know uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and King, Al? Well, uh, you're you're absolutely correct. I'm a former Muslim from Saudi Arabia. Uh, that's where the uh, Wahhabi form of Islam, which is which is pretty much like a, a hardline Sunni, if people want to think about it that way. In other words, it's uh, more on the Pharisaic side. Uh, okay. Really, uh, I grew up that way, uh, believing that Islam is the final revelation from God, and it's the only way to God, even though it's a religion of works, of course. I didn't realize that Jesus came to die for me until I came to the U.S. about 25 years ago, and it's through the uh, building a relationship with a uh, wonderful couple, born-again believers, and they began to share the gospel with me in words and in deeds mm. uh, that I felt challenged, and I began to search, and I finally found the truth in 2001, and I became a believer in Christ. Wonderful. Were you, were you angry at first when you began talking with them? Well, I, 
I wasn't angry uh, per se. I was actually convinced that Islam is the truth, and I was uh, kind of frustrated with them not uh, uh, becoming Muslims. Hmm. I mean, uh, my goal was to convert them. So, well, listen, in the uh, next segment of our program, we're going to talk about a mission methodological movement to reach Muslims that you have some strong opinions on, as do I. It's called the Insider Movement. So, Al, I know you'll hold on, and I hope that uh, so will our listeners. Stay tuned to this next segment of Koinonia with Jim Baugh as your guest host. This is Jim Baugh, guest host for Tom Brown. And Tom is out uh, having the day off today. Tom, I hope you get rest and some uh, wee waxation, yeah? So uh, we're here today, and we've been talking about, in just the intro part of our program, uh, something called the Insider Movement. Uh, The Insider Movement is a methodological approach that seeks to reach Muslims more effectively with the gospel. Um, it's controversial, and for good reason, because there are some aspects of insider methodology that uh, not only cause uh, folks in church problems, but it also causes folks uh, in the United States, you know, problems, but causes our brothers and sisters from other parts of the world problems, too. And uh, I have on the phone with me my dear brother Al Fadin. Al is a former Muslim, a Wahhabi Muslim, a Sunni Muslim from Saudi Arabia. Uh, He met the Lord Jesus Christ and now is uh, proclaiming his name uh, nationally, internationally. God's using him in a wonderful way. But I've called him on the program today to talk about the insider movement. And, uh, you know, interesting, that promo, uh, we talk about... uh, uh, errors in doctrine in the church, and how do we protect the, that uh, great truth that's been entrusted to us? Uh, I'll, you know, just your opinion of what you hear about the insider movement, some of the things that are most concerning to you. Why, why don't you speak with us about it? Well, I mean, uh, the, ins- the insider movement is something that came to my um, attention, Uh almost about uh, 10 years ago. Mm. And uh, I began to um, hear things about the seven signs, uh, hear things about contextualization and so on and so forth. And yeah. uh, really, I I, uh, I I admit that I was ignorant about all those things. I was excited at the beginning to hear some news of uh, mosques, entire mosques uh, turn into Christ, movements among Muslim people turn right. into Christ. And then I began to really explore further what was going on uh, out of uh, curiosity more so than anything else. Uh, and I began to hear things that were very disturbing to me. Uh, and uh, that's where the name inside of movement was mentioned. And pretty much what I discovered is that people are called to stay Muslims. 
that it's okay uh, to dress up as a Muslim person. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a result of this, uh, you blend in in your Islamic community. In other words, the inside of movement's claim is this. People convert to Christ and they end up leaving and their claim is that they go to the Western culture and become Westernized. I have mm -hmm. no idea where they're getting this idea from, honestly, but, but that's the claim. Therefore, inside of movements wants to promote Muslims to remain in their countries. Now, that's an honorable thing. Certainly, you want to stay as the light and the salt uh, to those around you. But exactly. the troubling thing is they don't want you just to stay and proclaim yourself to be a follower of Jesus or Christian. They want you to call yourself a Muslim follower of Isa. That's the Islamic name of Jesus. And now we're starting to get into the um, iffy zone, if you wish, where what does that mean uh, mm. that I'm a follower of Isa? Who is Isa to begin with? How will my Muslim people know that I am a follower of Isa if I go to the mosque? Mm. For instance, a Muslim looks at you coming to the mosque, they think you're becoming religious. Mm -hmm. They don't think of it that you're following another prophet, if you wish. Also, Jesus' status gets really watered down, and uh, he becomes sometimes the extreme end of inside of movement, and just another prophet like Muhammad. Muhammad gets elevated to the status of Old Testament prophets. The Quran, at some instances, uh, like the Common Grounds uh, consultation, uh, is actually put at the same par with the Bible. Mm. And, and those were the disturbing things to me because I felt like my Muslim people, first of all, are being deceived. Yes. Second of all, the insider movement promoters are actually supporting Muslims' misunderstanding that Christians are deceitful people and that they manipulate the scripture, and in this case I'm talking about when they contextualize the Bible and remove words like father and son or son of God out of it. Well, let's, let's that's, talk that's about that. I, I mean, that, that is very disturbing. I mean, some of the points I have uh, written down, I've shared with you for our discussion, 10 insider beliefs and practices, uh, one of them being that new believers in Christ out of a Muslim background must remain in the Muslim religion. Now, this is taught uh, by, oftentimes, Western missionaries going to uh, unreached people group areas, uh, Muslim-predominant communities, and these Western missionaries will come in, share the gospel, uh, or share it in a contextualized manner. You, you mentioned that word, uh, contextualization. We want to talk about that and define it a little bit. But if they do uh, become believers in Jesus, uh, they are instructed, do not leave the mosque, but remain in the mosque. What's the purpose of that? Is it to somehow, uh, you know, make, uh, you know, make churches out of mosques? What's, what's the motivation behind that, that methodology? You know, it's a very good question, uh, Pastor Jim. And uh, if, if you were to ask uh, in general, I should say, I don't want to you know, give a broad uh, brush uh, judgment here that every single insider movement uh, promoter uh, believes in this. Uh, there are different uh, sides to this paradigm. But nevertheless, in general, their number one uh, reason why a Muslim should stay in his community, and in this case the mosque, is to avoid persecution. Mm. I mean, that's pretty much uh, what it boils down to. And yes, I agree. I am, by the way, being persecuted by my own family. Uh, they're coming after me all the time. So I get it. I, I understand the fact that there is persecution. But when I go to the Bible, 
I really don't find excuses for myself to whine to the Lord and say, why am I being persecuted? Mm. Because I look at the book of Acts, and persecution is part of our DNA as believers. Uh, it is something that was already mentioned that we should expect. We will be hated for Christ's name, that the church will face persecution. In fact, chapter 8 of the book of Acts is powerful, that the persecution came upon the church for the purpose of spreading the gospel everywhere they went. Yeah. So who am I? to stand in the way of the work of God if he himself feels that his lordship over me is all that I have to follow and his leadership. Mm. You know, and, and I then, the idea of staying in a mosque and blending in, like I said, uh, maybe it will work for certain people. Obviously, some people cannot come forward and d- proclaim to be followers of Jesus. They might get killed. There, there needs to be wisdom, no doubt. Yeah. But when we make it a movement... And that's the problem, is you're generalizing it, making a method now and a process that applies to everybody. Uh, now we have a problem here with the scripture. I mean, what do we make out of what Paul himself says? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Mm. What, what do I make out of this? If he's telling me that my life now doesn't belong to me anymore, the old is gone, the new is come. So Islam is an old thing. Why do I fit the old, therefore, water down the gospel to make it palatable to it, well, that, versus having the new actually challenge the old? Yeah, you know, there's numerous passages. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus also talked about the parable of the new wine in the old wineskin, right? He says, listen, right. You you put the new wine, the old white skin, it's going to burst. So this idea that that somehow, some way, there is a possibility of establishing a movement to transform Islam itself from the inside out, uh, it it seems to me uh, an unbiblical premise. there, there's also that vantage point of persecution. You know, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Jesus, we, we know this passage uh, so well, where he takes the disciples up and he's ready to ascend into heaven after the resurrection. He said, you shall be my witnesses, both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. And that word witness is marturo, or I'm I'm speaking it like a Spanish person, but it's Greek. Marturo means a martyr. A martyr, exactly. You shall be my martyrs. And we know from church history that the blood of the saints was the seed of the church. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm perplexed about this methodological approach that seems, and, and you said it well, uh, we can't use a broad brush here, but that... Um, they're promoting to new Muslims, some. And actually, listen, I know here in Phoenix, there are workers with some students on the campus at ASU who have literally said, uh, you don't need to go to a Bible study anymore. You've, you've received Isa al-Masih, Jesus the Messiah. Go back to your mosque. Go back to your mosque. And I don't find that as a biblical premise for growth. I, I don't believe that you need to pull away from your family if you have opportunity to minister to them. But as a, as a Christian, 
we need the fellowship of the body of Christ, the believers, to help us grow. Would you not agree? Absolutely, brother. And also the idea of going back to your old religion. I mean, uh, do we not know that going back to our old religion uh, is actually uh, uh, disobeying God uh, who called us out? That's why we call the church Ecclesia, which is called out, set apart. Uh, Why do I go back to my old system of religion when I have a relationship now with a savior to follow? And I also get Uh, baffled by this idea, uh, why do they insist on it? Do they, meaning the uh, I am uh, promoters, the inside of movement promoters, when Jesus himself told his disciples, that includes me and you, that uh, go and make disciples of all nations. And as you said in Acts 1-8, he gave us the different boundaries that we will be crossing. So where do we get this idea that we should stay where we at? this extraction, which is always a big issue for them. Mm. And uh, I'm not really so sure um, where they get this uh, impression that every time someone converts to Christ, they come to the West. There's a lot of uh, converts to uh, Christianity in in my home uh, country, Saudi. Amen. Other places. I don't see him here. And more and more, more and more are coming to faith. Next segment, is the God of Islam and the God of Christianity the same person. I think we need to talk about that because that's the premise of some within the insider movement. Uh, We're just talking about the same person, but just different names. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about the insider movement in just a moment on Koinonia, KPXQ, 1360 AM. We'll see you soon. Good afternoon again. You are listening to Koinonia, 1360 AM. My name is Jim Baugh. I am the guest host for Mr. Tom Brown, who is off today. We're talking this afternoon about the insider movement. Uh, The insider movement is a methodological approach to reach Muslims with the good news of Jesus Christ. It's become quite controversial because of some of the practices that uh, uh, insiders are using. And insiders would be uh, um, really defined primarily as uh, Western missionaries who are using uh, the tools of contextualization to uh, transform both the language and the meaning of terms to make it more accommodating and more acceptable to a Muslim audience. Now, I want to talk briefly about contextualization because I go around the world, I train and equip pastors and leaders, and um, I have to admit, I I view contextualization as an important tool. I even use it in uh, communicating in the United States. I mean, if I was speaking to a youth group or a junior high group, uh, I would not talk to them about um, child rearing <laughs> unless, you know, they were uh, quite a rambunctious bunch of young people who 
you know, we're away from the Lord and uh, having children and so forth. I mean, I, I would I would bring a message to their attention that would fit the context of the culture in which they live. It might be a message on dating. It might be a message on relationships. Uh, but I would never change the message of the Word of God. I might use a different method to communicate the message, but I'm not going to compromise the message uh, of what God has to say. Now, insider movements and insider methodological approach have been right on the edge of not only changing the methodology to reach Muslims, but also to uh, to change the message, uh, I believe, to make it more uh, contextually acceptable to a Muslim audience. And I have with me my dear friend and guest, Al-Fadi. And Al is a former Muslim, a Sunni Muslim, who met the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of the testimony of some folks who came into his life, loved him, cared for him, shared the gospel. He pursued the truth, and he met the Savior. And his his heartbeat now is to reach Muslim men and women with the good news of Jesus Christ, as well as uh, encourage, educate, and equip believers in Christ to evangelize uh, Muslims effectively. Al, it's good to have you back after break, and we're going to continue our conversation on insider beliefs and practices. And one of those beliefs that I find somewhat disturbing, I'm say somewhat, but it does disturb me, is that uh, insiders will teach that Muslims and Christians uh, really worship the same God. I mean, the God of the Quran. Uh, and the Isa of the Quran are one with God and Jesus of the Bible. Uh, would you agree or would you disagree with this with this premise of insider methodology, Al? You know, uh, I'm going to say this. As a former Muslim, I used to think that the God of the Quran is the God of the Bible. As a believer in Christ today and using the Word of God, the Scripture, I can emphatically say the God of the Bible is nowhere near being the God of uh, the Muslim people, at least the God that Muslims tend to believe in. Of course, uh, our God, the God of the Bible, is the God of the universe, and mm. he loves the Muslim people. He yes. made the Muslim people in his image. So uh, not to say, of course, that I will endorse the idea that the Quran teaches the same thing about God. Uh, if we look at the character of God and his nature in the Quran as it compares to the Bible, we come across some uh, things that drastically different. For instance, the God of the Quran, in many occasions, uh, told us that he is the one who authors evil and uh, sinful things and tempt people mm. and draw them really to do wrong so he can punish them. Uh, you know, many chapters in the Quran, chapter 4, verse 142 talks about this, chapter 3, verse 54 talks about this, chapter 7, verse 99 talks about this, and the list can go on and on and on. In fact, in one of the most disturbing uh, uh, claims that the God of the Quran made is that he is a master deceiver. I mean, mm. I don't read anywhere in the Bible that my God is a master deceiver mm. and plots against people. Number two. His name, his very name, Yahweh, the God of the covenant, the I am, 
and many other names that he reveals himself by versus what the Quran calls him. Uh, nowhere that you will find any of those biblical names mentioned in there, not even once mm. mentioned in there. So obviously we need to understand what's going on here. Um, one in- important thing about the God of the Bible that the Quran goes silent on, and obviously uh, for, for many, for obvious reasons, it goes silent because it denies the crucifixion of Christ and a re- redemptive work of God. Mm. Uh, even though Muslims, you probably have heard just uh, Jim many times in your trips to the Muslim world that God has 99 beautiful names. Yes. And uh, Allah uh, is the main name. Uh, have have you ever investigated the fact that none of the 99 names include one very important name the Bible declares from cover to cover, and that's that he is a savior or redeemer? Mm. There is a reason why I call myself Al-Fadi, which is short for Abdul-Fadi, servant of the redeemer, because mm. I was redeemed by the God of the Bible, uh, the God who uh, sent his only begotten son to save me. So that's another drastic difference between the God of the Bible and God of the Quran. Here's another disturbing thing that anyone should really ask himself about God. Our God in the Bible said that his word will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away. I can bank on him when he says that you are saved Today, you will be with me in paradise yes. if you have faith in me, that you're saved by grace, by faith. But the God of the Quran keeps changing his word. There's the doctrine of abrogation found in the Quran in many chapters, chapter 2, verse 106, chapter 16, 101. I mean, how can I trust then if the God of the Quran changed his mind about many things he did? How can I trust that I am going to be saved today if I'm following this God? Yeah. Well, you know, I I agree with you 100%. If If the the God of the Quran and the God of the Bible are one and the same, then uh, the the this God is confused <laughs> because the God of the Quran teaches a salvation by works, a salvation by deeds. Uh, you have the the five pillars of Islam. Uh, and uh, I'll, would you would you let me know, remind me again, what are those five pillars of Islam? Well, the first and most important one, of course, is the decree or the shahada and uh, the creed, uh, which is really the belief in one God, his name is Allah, and his messenger, Muhammad. And I want to emphasize here, Muhammad is being elevated to a status equal to God. He is the agent of salvation because you can be a follower of Allah, but if you're not a follower of Muhammad, you cannot be saved. I mm. just want to throw this out there for my Muslim people if they're listening. So that's the first one, the creed. The second one is the prayer, minimum of five times a day. You can pray more by mimicking what the Prophet did to earn more uh, good deeds. Then comes tithing uh, charity, I call it, you know, zakah which is given but only to Muslim charities and mm. Muslim orphanage and Muslim causes. And then you have fasting, uh, the fasting of the month of Ramadan. And you can fast outside of Ramadan, of course. And then finally, the pilgrimage, which is the once in your lifetime going to Mecca to perform that major pilgrimage if you are able and haven't been prevented for reasons and causes that God might overlook and forgive. Mm, okay. So if, if according to Muslim theology, if I commit these five pillars on a faithful, regular basis, uh, 
will I have the assurance of heaven? You will not. You absolutely will not have that assurance. You can ask any Muslim, even the Imam of a mosque, they will be honest enough with you to tell you, I don't know if I'll make it to heaven. I only hope that God will have mercy on me. This is why, brother, we're hearing of reports of these youngsters who go and join ISIS and willing to fight and die or even blow themselves up because mm. if you die as a martyr in Islam, that's the only guarantee you have to make it to heaven. What, mm. a, what a shame, you know, that uh, the Lord already died for us. Amen. And, uh, that's that's a that's a tragedy. Fighting. That's a tragedy. Yep. I, I you know the the reality and here we find juxtaposition. Uh, what's the word? I'm, I think I'm not. I'm not even going to use that word because it's too big for me. Juxtaposition. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> compared, compared with the God of Scripture, the the Lord who redeems. He says, "Is my are my arms too short that I cannot save you?" That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. I, I just am so thankful for the message of the good news, the message of the gospel, uh, regardless of what our religious background is. The Bible says in Acts 16, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, shall be saved. And that's a promise that you can bank your eternity on. It's not a salvation by works. It's not a salvation by deeds. Uh, we're not in desperate, desperate situation with the sword of Damocles, so to speak, hanging over our necks, wondering if I've done good enough. And yet that's what the Quran teaches uh, the nature and being or person of God. And yet the Bible, in comparison, teaches a whole different character to the person and work of God. I'm not saying that there aren't commonalities, uh, but we are saying that the God of the Bible is the only God who saves, he redeems, he sent his son for you, and he loves you. This next hour or next uh, segment of our program, we'll get together. We'll talk about that uh, some insiders are teaching Muhammad was a prophet sent by God. Is this possible? Is this true? Is this what we should believe and teach others? Um, I will ask Al these questions and hear his opinion. And then this next portion of... Koinonia, thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you on the other side of this break. Well, we're back. It just seems like the time continues to flow. We're Really happy to be with you this afternoon on Koinonia. My name is Jim Baugh, and I'm a guest host for Tom Brown. Tom is taking the day off, but uh, today we're talking about something interesting that I hope is just speaking to you and will will uh, just a little bit stir your interest on uh, missions outreach to Muslim people. We We know across the world 
that God is moving to redeem people of every tribe, nation, uh, ethnicity, and language. Uh, I believe the Lord Jesus will return soon. I'm not certain what time that will be, but when he comes, everything will be ready because he's preparing us right now. That home, as he said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you, and he's going to prepare a place for the peoples of the world who put their trust in him. We know from Revelation chapter 5 and Revelation chapter 7 that there will be represented before the throne, before the Lamb of God, people from every tribe and ethnic group, and certainly uh, people who come out of the Muslim religion will and are being one to faith in Christ, becoming followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, Christians. We're talking now with Al-Fadi, who himself is a former Wahhabi Muslim, a very dedicated uh, Sunni Muslim from Saudi Arabia. He met the Lord Jesus as a result of uh, friends reaching out to him and sharing the message of the gospel. And Al now teaches, pastors, preaches as a, a missionary to Muslim people. He shares the message of the gospel and helps also equip and train Christians to reach their Muslim friends with the love and truth of the Lord Jesus as well. Al, it's great to have you back. And in this segment, I want to talk briefly about uh, the insider movement's methodological approach to affirm uh, the prophethood of Muhammad. Um, I, I, I... you know, in this whole vantage point of contextualization and attempting to make things relevant uh, to uh, a Muslim man or woman, a dear Muslim man or woman, uh, it seems as if we're bending over backwards and actually uh, bending the truth or or not telling the truth when we share these things to somehow build a common ground to reach uh, Muslims with the gospel. And uh, what what is your opinion of this? Um, you know, I, I'm going to read some quotes in a moment, but what are your thoughts? Well, it's definitely disturbing to me. Um, you know, um, I can uh, refer uh, the audience right now to just one article. If they would just to Google this name, Harley Tellman, And he wrote an article, Is Muhammad Also Among the Prophets? And another scholar, Martin Akkad, responded to it. Harvey, Harvey, by the way, excuse me, Harvey is a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, correct? Harley Talmans, yeah, that's his uh, pen name. Pseudonym, Uh, yeah. Yeah, so he he is indeed, um, which is a shame because uh, I, I have yet to meet someone from Dallas Theological Seminary who believes in things like this. Uh, But nevertheless, in his article, he definitely leaves the door wide open to compare Muhammad to the Old Testament prophets. Having said so, let me bring uh, uh, some uh, propositions here. Uh, A buddy of mine, uh, a dear friend, Sam Shamoun, wrote an extensive article related to this topic, and he has a number of propositions, and I really want to give credit to him because he definitely summarized how I would be uh, thinking of Muhammad. So, if Muhammad really claimed to be in the line of prophets that came before him, as the Quran says in many chapters. And he also claimed, this is Muhammad, claiming that he came to even fulfill 
the books that came before him and believe in those books that came before him, meaning believing in the Bible. And in other words, the Quran came to fulfill the promises and the work of the God through the prophets that came before him. Mm. Then we have a problem because Muhammad simply denied that Jesus is God incarnate. He mm. denied that Jesus is the son of God. He denied that God is the father. He denied that Jesus was crucified. Therefore, Muhammad really calling God a liar because the scripture is very clear in 1 John 5, 9 to 13. Mm. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. Yes. So we have a problem right from the get-go if we are going to compare Muhammad now to the prophets of Old Testament or any prophets for that matter. Uh, and and then a, a very simple way to look at it as well, brother. The Bible says that uh, demons and uh, uh, demonic spirits and uh, scorpions and snakes, uh, technically speaking, will not have power in us or over us because we are sheltered and protected by God. Mm. This is what the scripture teaches in Luke 10, 17, for instance, when the Lord sent the 72 and they came back rejoicing that demons did not, uh, uh, even demons submitted to their name. Yes. Uh, to your name, they said, of course, the name of Christ. Muhammad, according to Islamic own traditions, he was bewitched so that he began to imagine things. That's recorded in Islamic own traditions. I'm not making this thing up. It's found in Bukhari. Uh, Hadith Bukhari, volume 4, book number 53, Hadith number 400. Now we have a problem. If a prophet was bewitched, boy, we have a huge problem here. Mm. Because he goes against what the scripture taught as well. If Muslims claim that Jesus is only a prophet, then please find me anywhere in the Gospels or the New Testament that Jesus ever been bewitched. He actually casted out demons. Amen, that's true. So this is where I would look at it, brother. I mean, there's so many things you can compare and contrast between Muhammad's teachings and what the scripture teaches about prophets in Deuteronomy 18, for instance, Deuteronomy 13. In fact, Deuteronomy 13, starting from verse 1, it says, even if a prophet dreams a dream and the dream also is fulfilled, but he's leading you to worship other gods, then this prophet is a liar. Mm. Well, that's that's powerful. In fact, I wanted to bring up Hebrews chapter 1. You know, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Uh, speaking about the Old Testament prophets, the writer of the book of Hebrews, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And the idea in the book of Hebrews, the, the Greek text itself, basically says this, in these last days he has spoken once and for all in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So for insider movement method, uh, missionaries, missionaries who are promoting this, uh, I mean, I'm talking about Christian missionaries who are promoting this insider methodology that go out and say, yes, you know, we believe uh, that that Muhammad uh, is a prophet. Let me share something with you from Kevin Higgins in a paper, uh, Muhammad, Islam, and Quran. He says this, In short, the question is, can a follower of Jesus say with integrity 
the Islamic creed, there is no God but Allah. Muhammad is the messenger or the prophet of Allah. He says, in this paper, I will seek to outline some biblical, historical, and Quranic basis for answering this question in the affirmative. He also states in the same article, therefore, adding all together, I believe there is a biblical case to support at least potentially, there's a lot of a lot of fudge words there, the validity of referring to Muhammad as a prophet. Uh, this this is disturbing to me, and I think I think the church, uh, and especially you know we we seem to be uncaring, uh, about doctrine today in church. Um, we are we are so. Uh, so inbred as as pragmatists in our church. In other words, we say, well, if it works, it must be of God. And that's not <laughs> that's not the bi- biblical foundation for ministry. Would you agree? I absolutely would agree. And Acts chapter 11 is a testimony to what you just said, that the church was receiving reports, but they managed to send Barnabas to investigate. So, no one in the Church of Jerusalem at that time sat down and says, oh, praise God, you know, these are wonderful reports. You know, who are we really to uh, to go and question what these men are doing over there contextualizing the message? No, they wanted to go and see for themselves. Is this true? Are people coming to Christ? Incidentally, brother, it is in that context where we hear for the first time that they were called Christians, yes. which is one of the arguments that some of the insiders raise and say, no, we shouldn't be calling ourselves Christians, actually. Christian is a dirty word. I've, I've heard that. In some of the readings, it's almost as if we, we want to call ourselves anything but uh, Christians. And yet, in the book of Acts, uh, this, this is a... a a, a badge of honor, in a, in a sense, because Christian means a little Christ, Amen. one who's identified with Christ. And it was stated that from the pagan culture. They're looking at these believers and followers of the Lord Jesus who unashamedly stood and testified of their faith, and they lived as Jesus lived, and they said, look at those people. They're just like little Christ. Would that be uh, wonderful that the world would say that of the church in America today. Amen, brother. And it really breaks my heart that um, our focus in general is on numbers, number of converts, I should say in this case, versus the quality of the gospel that is being shared. Well, I I think that's true. You know, and we just have a, a moment, another minute to talk about this, is that there's been such an emphasis on evangelizing the world so that Jesus will return. You know, the passage in the Gospel of Mark, this gospel, the kingdom will be preached to all the world, and then the end shall come. And I've heard numerous mission organizations say, we got to preach, we got to preach, we got to win the world by 2016, you know, or whatever it may be. And I think the Lord is the Lord of the harvest. We're just called to preach the gospel. Would you agree? Amen, brother. Amen. And let him take care of the results. We're not setting dates to have Jesus somehow powerfully return because we did our job. By the way, it's his job, but it's our job to preach the gospel and share our faith with love and with grace. 
Well, we're going to take one more segment uh, to discuss just a few things and uh, a few more things about the insider movement. I hope you're enjoying it, and I hope this is stimulating for your thoughts today. We'll see you in the next segment. Stay tuned. Well, welcome back. This is our last segment in Quinonia today. We've been discussing the uh, the issue of the insider movement as a methodological approach to reach Muslims with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I have as my guest Al Fadi, and he is a former Muslim who met Jesus and loves the Lord Jesus and is following Him. Uh, Al, as we uh, as we just wrap things up this afternoon, what are some of the important points that you would like to share with Christians out there, and specifically churches, who are supporting missionaries who are, in fact, working uh, in the Muslim world? What should they be aware of? How should they hold their missionaries accountable? They should definitely ask the right questions, go and investigate um by themselves, uh, these reports, uh, they need to uh, come up with an accountability system uh, for the missionaries to report back, and at the same time, uh, for the missionaries to make corrective measures if anything was discovered. I mean, we're not here to promote cutting off people's uh, livelihood, but at the same time, some missionaries, I want to admit, maybe they are being misled to believe that those approaches are biblical. Mm. So uh, maybe training. Uh, even uh, inviting people like myself, former Muslims, uh, give us a voice, a platform to be able to share with them. The problem is I noticed that uh, we are not welcomed among the insider movement uh, people because they feel like we are not qualified to speak to the issue, which is sad to say the least. <laughs> a former Muslim who met the Lord Jesus and you're not qualified to share how to come to Christ. Well, this has been Koinonia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Al, thank you. Al Fadi. If someone's going to get a hold of you, how would they do it? Would they contact the station here? What would you like? They can contact the station. They can also email me at Sira uh, Ministries, plural, Sira, C I R A, ministries at gmail.com. Or uh, they can also follow me on. Uh, uh, soundcloud.com and search for Let Us Reason. That's a radio show. Okay. It's great to be able to spend this time with you today. And Christians, let's um, let's hold each other accountable in our walk with God. Let's make sure that we're preaching the truth of the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and with the love of Christ. You've been a part of Koinonia today. My name is Jim Baugh. 